Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the belated Valentine's Day Malvasia Bianca Girlfriend podcast. I'm your host, Cody Burkett. There was supposed to be a bunch of other people coming tonight, but they've all bailed. Shame on all of you. Uh, I'm here with uh, Gary Kurtz, who's also starting his own label soon. We'll probably touch upon that at the very end of the podcast, assuming uh, we remember. Uh, There's a lot of wine in front of us, so we probably won't. Yeah, and here's the thing. There was supposed to be two other people here, and uh, so I brought... Originally was going to bring four others. Uh, Ended up bringing three, because I forgot the amber wine. Gary here has a Malvasia from Italy. And, uh, yeah, between... And you don't have a freaking glass in front of you. Oh, yeah, well... Because I'm introducing everybody. (laughs) Hello, I'm Cody the Wine Monk, and you're not. (laughs) (laughs) Silence! I'm just kidding. So anyway, we have five wines that we have to try... It's going to be horrible. Terrible. It's just going to be the worst night ever. Like, oh my god. So anyway, we're going to start off actually with a Malvasia from the secondary motherland. Because uh, the original motherland was of course Greece and Turkey. It's actually now extinct in both places, apparently. Uh, I looked when I actually was in Turkey and everyone gave me very, very weird looks. Okay, everybody being the two wine places I went to and the two Somalias I talked to. So we've got here the Levin di Zamo uh, Friuli Culi Orientale for the denomination of origin apparently. 2012 13% alcohol. Only in this Batman. To the Batcave. Oh, wow, this does remind me of, like, a rockier... But much more tame and civilized than a rocky or an Uzo or an Absinthe. True, I suppose. There's nothing tame or civilized about those. That's true. That got me my shenanigan night in Turkey. Ah. There's a little bit of fruit underneath that anise, too. But there's none of that floral character that I'm so used to with Malvasia coming from Arizona. I told you, when I first opened the last bottle of this I had, I thought that the dude pulled my leg. He said it was a Malvasia Bianca, but I could have sworn it was an Estrana. It's been a long time since I've had an Estrana, so I can't recall immediately, but it's very different. The Estrana we had when we had uh, two years ago, I guess, yeah, almost two years ago, the... uh, Precursor for this, before I had a blog, before I had anything, um, we had a Malvasia Estrania, we had the previous Passion Sellers Malvasia, which was also New Mexico, and we had a San Record, I think it was either 2010 or 2012, I don't remember which, I have to go through the photos. Uh, Gary insists that we didn't have the San Reckoner, but I remember taking... No, Gary insists that he can't remember having the San Reckoner. It was a long night with a lot of wine. <laughs> like tonight. To do. And so this is uh, why we're recording this time around, I guess. And that, and it's post-Valentine's Day, and damn, I wanted to be with my girlfriend. And this is the closest thing I can find to a girlfriend around here. And she treats me better than the last one I had. And I get to be the third wheel. or For once! At this point. 
For once, for once you get to be the other wheel, because every other fucking time I'm with Gary, it's with everybody else who's married or dating, and I'm the only single one. So how does it feel, Gary? Delicious. See, if I said that, you know, loud, you know, around his companions, I would be, you know, lynched. <laughs> On the palette, though, there is definite Bianca that I'm familiar characteristics. It's got an herbaceous note. And it is kind of floral on the palette. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like a woodsy flower. It almost reminds me, actually, and you were not able to, you didn't get a chance to try it, but it almost reminds me a little bit of the Akatia wine from... Uh, I did have Trident. it. I had it with you at the winery. Oh, that's right. <laughs> uh, See, now we can't remember. That. Yeah. What was that? I don't know. Oh, maybe it was the GoPro thing and it's finished charging. Oh. Anyway. Um, but yeah, it reminds me a little bit of that sort of like a woodsy floral note versus elderflower. Or it could be like, it's like a mixed drink with just a hint of St. Germain in it. So that it's an undertone and not an over overbearing overtone that I love so much. It's yeah, I wouldn't say that overbearing and overbearing elderflower is a bad thing in the slightest. Not at all. But this is like I was saying before, tame and civilized use of it. It also has the sort of palette plateau structure that Arizona Malvasia has. There's not really much in the way of a mid palette. Um, it's kind of abrupt. Which, again, is not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. It's crisp. It's lovely. It'd be a great summer afternoon refreshing thing. I don't think this would pair as well with Asian food like other Malvasias, though. I think that this, no, this needs... This needs Mediterranean food. This needs pasta and a white wine. Pasta and a white, po white pasta sauce, too, I think. Yeah. Or fish. Or... Chicken. Yeah, I was actually thinking like a light herb chicken would work really, really well with this. Mm -hmm. It's different. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Where is this from Tuscany or? I know almost nothing about that bottle. Other than that, the wine steward at Italy in Chicago said it was Bianca. I'm trying to remember where Friuli is in relation to uh, demarcations of origin. Because the other Italian Malvasi I have is the Vinsanto, and it's from Chianti Classico. Uh, to the Google Copter. Orientale del Friuli is a long Italian phrase, DOC, located in the Italian wine region of Friuli, Venezia. Thank you for stating the obvious. Where in Italy is it, asshole Wikipedia? 
I would have gone to Google Maps, personally. Yeah, that probably would have been better. Not that that would have helped me all that much. I'm not familiar with the geography of Italy in relation to... Okay. So, north... Oh, okay, it was once part of the Venetian Republic. Why didn't you tell me it was once part of the Venetian Republic, Wikipedia? I could have actually figured that out easier. Of course, I rage, it's probably Wikipedia getting vengeance on me for rage editing it the other day um, after my credit card information got stolen and from some guy in some town in British Columbia that's unpronounceable. And so under notable residence, I edited it to include the asshole who stole my credit card information. Because nothing says petty vengeance like petty Wikipedia edits. So it's northeastern Italy. Northeast, okay. So, like, in the Prosecco area, or close to it. Um, it's right there. Okay, yeah. About as northeast as you can get. Pretty much. Any more northeast nor you'd get into uh, Austria. So it's completely different from... Uh, the Chianti region, okay, interesting. Which is down more southern... Well, that's Tuscany, so it's... In the boot, right? Yeah, in the boot itself. Not that far. It's in the northern part of the boot, nonetheless, but... It's not like it's in the southern region where you find Ayanaco and that sort of thing. It's interesting in the tasting room now that we have the uh, new Jerome Red, and I go, it's part Ayanaco, and everyone's like, what? No one knows that great. I expected more people, I guess. Maybe I was... Well, most people don't know it as Ionico. Most people know it as Aglianico. Uh, you didn't see that, but I just visibly, like, shuddered. It's like nails on a chalkboard when people say it that I way. I have talked to winemakers, prestigious winemakers, about the great Ionico and how much I love it. They have not known what I was talking about. And then I look at them, cock my head sideways like a dog, and go, Aglianico. I'm like, oh yeah, I love that wine. Oh, We are the hope of the future generations. Clearly. And it's getting more fruity and pineapple and sort of apricotty as it goes on. It does remind me more of the Malvasia Istriana, which makes sense because Slovenia is only on, you know, not that far away, which mm -hmm. is where that particular bottle we got was from. Um, which is very interesting because this is almost like, it reminds me a little bit of the W from San Reckoner. I don't know if you ever drank that one or not. I have. But it was the Viognier and Malvasia blend. Mm-hmm. So, which, speaking of which, should we jump to the San Reckoner? I think so, and then, then hop to the, the fun stuff. The fun stuff. So, okay. This one we had once before. I remember it. Gary does not. I remember <laughs> having it in the winery a couple months ago with Rob and Sarah. That was lovely. I almost was half tempted to ask Rob if we could call him. Um, He's got two kids. Yeah. Not a chance. To uh, sort of join us, I almost said cybernetically, to, which <laughs> kind of works, I guess. Uh, yeah. The color on this is a little bit darker, for sure. 
I remember oh, it's yellow that you're expecting. Yeah. For when I remember him telling me this is a blend of estate fruit and uh, Pierce fruit. I think this was the first year they experimented with uh, cold stuff. Which would explain the darker color, actually. So for those of you who don't know um, San Reckoner, uh, Rob Hamelman is the winemaker. He makes some pretty damn good wine, and he's won a lot of awards with it. And he's, I think, one of the best winemakers in the state. He's one of the founders of this new AVA thing, which I'm reserving my judgment and comments on until I know the whole story. I've been hearing a lot of criticism without actually hearing replies from the people who own, who are behind this movement and this operation, so I'm reserving all judgment until I hear from them, and I assume they're going to talk about all of that at the dinner, which I will not be able to attend, because I unfortunately am chained to the tasting room. And I am chained to my profound broke-titude, so I can't afford to take it. If any of your listeners would like to sponsor me to go to that... Or me, and unfortunately by the time this is posted, it'll probably be long past. I've still got... Get your act together, man. Well, I'm not going to post, you know, I need to post these, like, you know, once a week, because, and I still haven't gotten to the New Year's one yet. And it's February. I'm Orthodox, okay? I'm going old calendar. Badly, because if that was the case, I should have posted it, like, January 24th. You know, it makes sense that we're drinking these to celebrate Valentine's Day because Valentine's Day is also St. Tranquil's Day. This is true. My patron saint. Yes. And if you, if I manage to convince you to join the Orthodox Church, that'll be the saint you choose. <laughs> Unfortunately, we are not doing bluegrass, so. That so far has been your major sticking point. Ah, <laughs> uh, this is a classic Arizona wall this year. You've got that bright elderflower and jasmine and honeysuckle nose with just a little subtle hint of sort of um, apricot, honeydew melon. Less apricot, far more honeydew melon. It's less honeysuckle to me than it is actually pulling apart a honeysuckle flower and tasting the nectar. I've never done that. Oh, you haven't lived. I'll have to make that happen this summer. Clearly. Well, there's honeysuckles that grow all over Jerome, so... There's some down here, too. That'll be fun. That palette again is just classic Arizona. Now, this is... So, and Arizona and Malvasitas are very polarizing. There's not a lot of people who are like, yeah, it's okay. There are a lot of people who think, like we do, freaking love it. This is amazing stuff. To the and point where, you know, I'm in a relationship with it on Facebook. And then there are people who say, you'll grow out of it. <laughs> who told you that? I don't know what I should say while I'm being recorded. Was it uh, the man behind the leap? No. I know. Uh, I love Mark, but he's not as fond of Malvasia as either of us are. I'm trying to figure out who it could have been, but that's... I'll tell you later. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Everyone's entitled to their own different palettes, and mm -hmm. 
know, I've never said, you know, in my whole vlog that this is my way is the highway. I mean, people may think that because I'm the only person really doing it. But I never, you know, would insist that my way and my tastes are what everyone should follow. Um, I would love it if people did, because then I would start seeing Saparavi in the state, and more to not. Um, but, you know, that's my own palette, my own thing. I just happen to love Malvasia so much that if it was a woman, I... Well, actually, I have dated a Malvasia, and actually, uh... I believe it was this wine when I did an actual review on uh, the blog... It was either the 2012 or the 2010, I can't remember which offhand, um, but it was someone that I had gone on a couple dates with over the course of two months, and we ended up splitting, and just because neither of us really could cognize with each other, but the chemistry was great, and I quite enjoyed it. This is, I feel, a little bit more fuller-bodied than the Italian, too. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it doesn't have that mid-palette that I've heard people complain about Malvasia in regards to. It's like, oh, Malvasia doesn't have mid-palette, it's boring. Which is the complaint I've heard. Mm -hmm. um, but I like it. I'm looking forward to finishing the rest of this bottle later. I still feel that Malvasia and something that has like a big full mid-palette in a blend together would be Crazy cool aromatics from the Malvasia, and then that crazy great mouthfeel from like a Picapool or maybe DNA. But just a little Picapool, I worry, would not work because it's often so acidic. Well, Arizona wines are often so not acidic, so it could help. This is a lovely wine. Rob, how am I new magnificent bastard? I've read your book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you got that reference. I haven't seen Patton in ages. Oh my god. Poor Rob, listening to this, he's just like, oh god. I stand as far away as I can from these two. <laughs> ah. So I am very curious about number three. As much as I love number two, we're going to be entering more uncharted territory. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we already entered a little bit of uncharted territory to begin with, for me, with the Italian uh, from Friuli. Um, but next up, courtesy of Club W, not courtesy of, I actually bought it, they didn't give it to me. I should have asked nicely. Um, but I didn't. We've got a uh, Petillon Naturel style Malvasia Bianca from Paso Robles. So Gary, tell me a little bit about this style because I know next to nothing about it. So 
Petulant Naturel is often referred to as Petnat, P-E-T-N-A-T. If you see a wine labeled as Petnat, we're talking about the same thing. And it is, I've heard it called, Champagne's Cool Hot Younger Sister. And what it is, is a sparkling wine made by taking wine that's not done fermenting, shoving it in a bottle, and letting it finish its fermentation in the bottle. Not unlike what you would do while carbonating a beer when you're a home brewer. You have, well, it's similar. In home brewer, you have your beer that's finished fermentation, you bottle it, or you add more sugar to it, bottle it, and you let a secondary fermentation happen in the bottle to build up CO2 and fizz and carbonation and all that loveliness that you expect from a beer. And that's basically what they're doing with pet fat wines. They're taking a wine that's almost done fermenting, and so it's still got a little bit of sugar in it, it's still got live yeast in it, it's still doing its thing, and they're bottling it. They're not putting sulfites in it, they're not cold stabilizing it, they're not doing anything. They're just taking the wine and th throwing it in a bottle, and letting that carbonation, or that fermentation finish in the bottle, which will build up carbonation and make a lovely cloudy, sparkling wine. Uh, you can't see the bottle that I'm looking at, but there's a nice big layer of yeast settlement in the bottom, which is to be expected because there was still a bunch of stuff happening in this wine. It hadn't settled, it hadn't cleared when it was bottled. So, as all of that finished while the wine is in the bottle, it settled to the bottom. And then, you can't really get it out if you're going to have something in this style. They get along, they get around that in Champagne by a process called disgorging, where over the period of, I think it's several weeks to several months, they gradually invert the bottles. They freeze the necks in liquid nitrogen, pop the crown caps, a little plug of ice goes shooting out and it carries all that sediment with it. They squirt a little bit more wine and sometimes sugar into the bottle, cork it, call it done. They don't do any of that with this. This is as pure and simple as sparkling wine gets. And I've never had one before, so I'm super stoked to try it. I'm wondering if we should open this over the sink. Um, probably should, but uh, let's see how it reacts when I just barely Watching that, uh, my thing still never died. Again? Again, it does that. Like one of those baking soda volcanoes almost. <laughs> almost the way it's yeah. bubbling. I feel like I should be filming this. In fact, I will. I might do the same. This would be great for the Instagrams. I was just going to do mine on uh, Instagram as well. Oh, well, we did not. 
Moving to the sink. Probably a good idea. That does sound like a science fair volcano. <laughs> Washing his corkscrew. Ooh. I also love the puddle of bulbousy on the table. Right? I need to deal with that also. Not letting the dog go with that this time. <laughs> I lost a good, uh, about a glass worth. At least, yeah. I managed to save about a half a glass worth. Well, that's good. Something tells me we're probably going to need to finish drinking this one tonight, regardless of what happens with the rest of the night. Yes. Darn. Look at it, it's still bubbling, bubbling furiously. <laughs> bubble, bubble, toil and trouble. Maldacea... Ferment and cauldron bubble. Sure. I tried. And you failed. Yeah, well, that's about what my ex said. <laughs> Smells sugary. Like something very sweet. My dad, there's also a sort of a musty thing going on, too. Like, um... A yeasty thing? Yeah, actually. That, Imagine that. It's been sitting on the east for God knows how long. Shut up, Carl. <laughs> I don't know why I said Carl. Oh, well. At yeast, I wasn't the one who made a pun. Ha. Ha, ha, ha. It has a muted floral characteristic. The fruit and yeast are coming out more. What are you getting on the nose? Lots of melon. Yeah. And lemon, but, but taste it. That's where things get fun. What the hell? 
This is so weird. Gary, this is... you should do a Mulvacia like this. I am going to take a couple of bottles of pretty much everything that we do at Passion and Salvatore and Greater Than this year in uh, swing tops and just pull them at about one, two, three bricks and see what works and what doesn't. Why is no one in Arizona doing this? With Malvasia? With how good it is here, it seems like it would work. It does. The problem is, it's a fickle beast doing the wine this way. Because you can't control how bubbly it is. You don't know if you're going to have a volcano. Like we did. So you don't know if you're going to have a science fair volcano like we did. Or if you're going to have a volcano where you've got wine on your ceiling. Or if you're going to have a total flop and nothing's going to happen. You mean like we had Barbera on the ceiling at bottling? When your pump almost castrated me? <laughs> but instead it only got like you? Yes. Uh, so, story time. Some of you know this story, probably. Uh, when we were bottling the Salvatore Barbera... Um, at one point in time, we were wondering why there was no pressure, and suddenly, um, I see the pressure go up incrementally. I'm like, guys, stop! The hose popped off the filter and just went, boom, right into my leg. And I was just like, oh, God! I, it was like inches away from the mommy-daddy button. And, uh, then the hose just went, Barbara goes everywhere, up the ceiling, up the side of the wall. And I'm like, off! Oh! <laughs> Welcome to the wonderful, glamorous world of winemaking. Yeah. A uh, winemaker friend of mine told me once that winemaking is 49% cleaning shit, 49% moving shit, 2% drinking beer. Anyone who tells you otherwise is a liar. That day was one of those days. But 49% of the day, moving Barbera from one tank to another, and then the other 49% of the day, cleaning Barbera out of the tank that it had been in, and off of the walls, and the floor, and the ceiling, and the doors, and the windows, and the other tanks, and the fermenters, and you know, it was a rough day. Yeah, we probably lost, what, about a case? Probably close to that. And we lost a good bit of time when Jim and I couldn't stop laughing. Yeah, at me, as I'm glaring and clutching my leg in pain, practically like laying on the ground. I was actually wearing this same pair of pants, too, that I'm wearing now. Conversation later was, did you ask if he was okay? No. Why not? Because we couldn't breathe. We were laughing too hard. <laughs> and I suppose if I wasn't okay, I would have been like, guys, take me to a hospital, or on the ground like dead, or, you know, bleeding. Yeah. Sometimes I tell that story in, in the tasting room when I'm pouring the Barbera for Salvatore. 
It's like, so you think my making is all decorum and property and, and properness and... Well, actually. No. You've never been so dirty in your life. It's making long. Yeah. Crush season, I felt, like, permanently sticky, and that was only after, like, a few days. I can't imagine what it's going to be like for you and Jason Tain, who are there all the time down there. Well, more or less, we're staying purple up to our elbows. That also really sounds like a euphemism. Mm-hmm. Take that how you will. This is fun. It is. It's, it's yeasty on the palate, too. Mm-hmm. This is far more entertaining to me than a traditional champagne or method champenois anything. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It's... Did you try the Slovenian, or was it Croatian, sparkling wine at last year's hipster varietal party? The goat roast? Yeah. No, I think I had left by that. Because it reminds me of that, and that was kind of the same method, because we, it turns out, open it wrong, you were supposed to go disgorge it in, like, cold water, for the same way, I guess, of arresting the yeast or something, and... Huh. So, I don't think it was this same style, but it reminds me of that, because it has that same yeasty aspect on the palate. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, like I said, this is from Club W, it's the pretty young thing! Uh... That's, yeah, it's pretty and it's young. 2015. We don't have a single 2015 in the bottle yet. What? Oh, wait, nope, never mind. The Sauvignon I'm Blanc, wrong. isn't it? I'm wrong, we do have Sauvignon Blanc in the bottle. That's the only 2015 we have in the bottle, though. Yeah. So this is Paso Robles. This is better than the last California Malvasia I had, actually. Um... I don't think you were there that night. It was from Monterey County. I had a California Malvasia with you at one point, and it was fucking terrible. Yeah, it was horrible. And I have another Malvasia Bianca from California from Club W that I almost brought in addition as well. If I knew that we were going to have more and more people, um, I would have brought all of this and would have had uh, an additional basically two bottles. Um, I would have had the Loves Me Not Malvasia Bianca from Club W, which I think is also from Paso, uh, which is bollocks, because Malvasia clearly loves me as much as I love it. Um, I actually thought about drinking that one on Valentine's Day instead as a sort of fuck you to all my exes, um, except for the good ones. You know who you are. Um, you better. <laughs> but I settled on uh, the Passion Malvasia, which is what we're going to close the podcast with after a couple of others. Um, literally, uh, well, okay, not a couple of others, but after one more after this. You think we need one more? Uh, well, we've got the dessert one. Well, if you didn't catch my joke. Oh, yeah, good point. <laughs> but anyway... Um, you think we need one more? Yeah. You think we need one more? Okay, we'll get one more. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, it's... I was reading uh, the latest Dresden Files book, which is very, very full of uh, Ocean's Love and Homage. It's because it features a heist, uh, which may or may not be a spoiler alert if you haven't read the Dresden Files series, so I won't say more than that. But suffice to say that references to Ocean's Love and Abound consistently. 
Um, yeah, this is fun, and I really think that we should. Someone should try this style in Arizona. I'm I mean, planning on experimenting with it this year, and then if it goes well, I might do a batch of it in seventeen. That'll be cool. I think Malvasia is the is a perfect grape for this. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't really want to do this with any of the reds, and I had a red that was done this way, and I can't. Made from, and I'm gonna butcher the name of this grape horribly. Uh, Valdegue or Valdegu. Um, I didn't get it because I didn't get it because I don't really care for sparkling reds that often. But also, uh, at one of the hipster varietal goat parties, uh, there was one, and I wasn't terribly impressed with it, and no one else was. So it's kind of like a meh varietal for me. How does the uh, cork on the uh, Finsanto smell? It smells like cork. I know that you're not supposed to smell the cork when you're handed the cork in the restaurant or when you pull the cork It doesn't out. really mean anything. It's just like, here's your cork. Well, what it means is this wine is supposedly genuine, I guess. Correct. Did you read that article, too? A couple days ago? What article? There was an article, I think, on Vinopair that was, what do you do when you're handed the cork at a restaurant when you've ordered a bottle? Oh, I never did see that. And it basically is saying that back in the olden days when wines were first starting to be counterfeited, you would order a bottle of wine at a restaurant or wherever you're at, and the person who opened it for you would present you with the cork because the wineries had started to put branding and stuff on the side of the cork that would let you know that your bottle was authentic. And if the cork didn't match the label, then you had every right to send the bottle back because it was a fraud and not worth your money. Yeah, no one really does a cork that matches the label now. I mean, there's some people that do, but... Well, it doesn't match the label entirely, but this one says... Castellari, and it has in the same lettering Castellari on the bottle. So and that's true with the San Reckoner, which has that same. Right, and if you look at the Passion Cellars bottle, it's the same way. And if you look at where the is this one Italian bottle cork, it's the same way. On the back, yes. Yes, you sometimes will have to hunt for it, but it's going to be there. There's going to be something that will tell you this bottle is authentic, unless you're cheap like me because you are raising money for your first vintage on your own. And there's a lot of Shiner bottles that have that sort of thing too, where it's just like standard decorative grapes on a cork. Right, my corks aren't even gonna have any of that because I'm going to be cheap because I need to make every penny count in this vintage and I'm just not gonna have anything printed on my corks this year. Because that adds an extra 150 bucks to 300 bucks depending on how much you want printed on it. Per batch, and I could spend that money better elsewhere on fruit. All right, fruit bottles, labels, taxes, TTB, labeling, shelling, bullshit. Still having a blast. This is a lot of fun. I can't wait to open that dirty and rowdy pet mat. Pinot Blanc that I ordered. That's going to be fun. 
if anything, anyone can do a nerdy, interesting style, even more nerdy and interesting, it's dirty and rowdy. And Wines of Wilcox just posted their eulogy to Fort Bowie. <laughs> A lot of history went on there. Not the best quality fruit, but got a lot of people started. Well, if you really wanted fruit that made wine that smelled like diesel exhaust and truck tires, that was your place. <laughs> there know. were some exceptions. The, pa the first Passion Cellars uh, Reserve wine exclusive, wine exclusive, wine club exclusive wine was a Sangiovese made from the fruit in that vineyard. And I don't know if you ever tried it or not, but it was beautiful. I certainly had a bunch of it. I never bought a bottle because it was fucking expensive. I was very lucky enough to have uh, some friends who bought me a bottle. Very nice. The very last bottle in the tasting room, actually, when they came in. And very nice. Because the person who was in there pouring had opened the other bottle, and they weren't supposed to. And I was just like, and I was horrified. It's like, what are you doing? You just wasted a bottle. That wasn't me, was it? No, that was not you. Okay. No, that was, um... Doesn't need to be said here. I can't remember her name. Anyway, she's gone now. Um, but my friends saw my reaction when they tasted it and they're like, we're going to buy that last bottle for you. <laughs> and so I'm like, score! I still have it in my cellar. I haven't drank it yet because I'm saving that for a special occasion. Um, and I don't know what that special occasion is going to be because I'm... It feels like you're the only person I go on wine dates, date nights with. Aww. There's no one who is a woman wants to date me around here. Because <laughs> I've pissed them all off. Or the good ones are all taken. <laughs> or lesbian. Yeah. But. Sucks to be you. Yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> God, this is fun. This is... It's grassy, too, which is so unusual for me for a Malvasia. I like this. This is going to be... Def well, we have to finish polishing this off after the podcast anyway, because it's not going to keep. Mm -hmm. That would be the only drawback to the style that I really see. I mean, even a kava, if you do it right, can stay sparkly for a little bit in a fridge. I think this is just going to lose its sparkle in a dip less than that. So it's definitely a we-need-to-drink-this-all-together-in-a-party type thing. Which I guess, you know, makes sense. Yeah, a wine like this isn't meant to be consumed alone. This is a wine that screams, let's party. This is Champagne's hot younger sister, who... Let's go into the bedroom. I wasn't going to go that far. Well, I, I did. Say she's a party waiting to happen. She's the one who's like... She's my girlfriend, of course. We're going into the bedroom later. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> She's the one going, whoa, let's open another bottle. Yeah. All right, so. Second to last, we've got a Vinsanto. Now from. Uh, now, this one is not 100% Malvasia, so this is the exception. Which proves the rule. 60% uh, Malvasia, 40% Trebbiano. And this is from uh, Chianti. 
nearly that much. That's good. I don't respond to all the sweet wines. Yeah, well, they hate you too. I didn't say I hate them. I'm just kidding. I just can't, don't respond to all of them. I had a, an ice wine the other day from somewhere in Germany that was beautiful, but I could only drink about 30 mils of it because it was so sweet. Were you there the night that uh, Phil, who was supposed to be here, poured that uh, late harvest uh, Pinot Grigio from Alsace? No. Oh my god, it was the weirdest Pinot Gris I've ever had. And it was so thick that when you poured it, it made no noise in the glass. That's how thick it was. Huh. The nose of this is a little off. Yes. Something doesn't... It's very oxidized. Well, it is 2007. That could be part of it. I wonder if Which it makes me wonder if we opened it too early or if we opened it too late. Uh, because with sweet wines, dessert wines, sometimes that oxidized thing can get better with age and just kind of get more mellow. Yeah. The nose is very harsh. And woody almost, like oak. And alcohol. And nail polish remover. Which means that this bottle may well be uh, kerflumped. It may. Let's taste it and find out. Because anything for science. For science! It's disappointing. Yeah, I just don't like that. Nor do I. It's not corked, I think. No, I don't. Well, maybe a little bit. There is a little bit of a sake, as in sock with a Y rather than sake as in the beverage. Like, or like chewing on newspaper. Yeah, on the back of the palate. Mm -hmm. Which makes me think that it might be a little corked. Well, shit. Where'd you get that from? Uh, PLD, Plaza Liquor Deli. Call him. Tell him, hey, I bought this bottle. It was corks. Can you help me out? They're cool people there. They're awesome people there. That's true. I like them a lot. Have you been to Lloyd's Liquors over in Prescott? Yes, a couple of times. Also, uh, that's where I got um, the Indian Sauvignon Blanc from the par for the nice. hipster varietal party. They're where you go in Prescott to get weird shit. They're really cool people in there too. Only distributor or only retailer in. Arizona had all to carry dirty and rowdy, which is fun. Uh, did you know that going in, or I did. That's where the wine club or the Grand Cru wine group bought Phil's birthday present wine, which was uh, dirty and rowdy Antel Vineyard uh, Mouvet. Oh, they had that there, but that one was fifty bucks, and the Semillon, which I have been dying to taste for about six months now was 32 bucks, so I went with that. Did they have any bottles left? Yes, they had three or four left. Okay, I may have to go in the next time I go to church in Prescott. You should. And they've had this there for six months. They posted on their Facebook in, well, more than six months. They posted in June that they had some. 
Facebook page, and it was still there. So, worth checking out. Sorry guys, by the time you hear this, I'll probably I'll be sold out because we're going to buy it. Well, I'll buy one bottle anyway. I'll buy at least one more. I really want to try some of their Mubads. Well, cluster fermented Mubad that spends just a lick of time on oak and then goes into the bottle. I'm super curious, super curious about Well, that. did you want to go with me to church on Sunday then and stop by Lloyd's afterwards? Uh, a, I don't have the money right now, mm. and B, I will probably be camping this weekend ah. if I'm not done in Wilcox. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this bottle's corked. I'll probably be calling Puzzle for Deli tomorrow. Yeah, shoot him a... Hey, shoot him a Facebook message from the Wine Monk and say, I bought this bottle there, hoping to review it on a podcast. We did. It was corked. We think it was bad. Can you help me out? Yeah. And see what they say. Yeah, okay. I don't know how to do that from my Facebook page message someone else, but I'll I can figure. teach you that. Okay. I'm despite having a Facebook page for myself longer than Phil, I've only Phil, wow. Okay. Maybe we need to stop. Hi, I'm I'm Phil. <laughs> also known as Gary. <laughs> or oh captain, my captain, if you're slightly more daring. Um yeah, well, I've had a Facebook page for myself longer than Gary in terms of my alter ego, for lack of a better word, slash my not really alter ego. It's just my crystallized self, I guess. Anyway, I digress. Um, I don't know how to message out on it yet, so apparently Gary does, so he will teach me probably later tonight. So we're going to close off with the new passion. Well, not new, but no, the... Uh, because you haven't even had the new one yet, and it's... This is true. I cannot wait to share the 2015 Malvasia Bianca with everyone in the world. It is beautiful and crisp and creamy and floral and a little bit oaky and a little bit mallow and a lot of not mallow and it's just, it's everything that an Arizona Malvasia should be and I'm super proud of that one. Uh, before we go in that, though, we should probably talk, for those that are curious and want to know, what exactly is corking? What causes it? How do you prevent it? Can it be prevented? I... The silent menace! So, I know the very, very basics about corking and corked wines and cork spoilage and corkage and whatever you want to call it, but I don't know all the specific details. That's not what I went to school for. Uh, so I'll do my best. There's a bacteria in the bark of the cork tree, which is what natural corks are made of, that produces a chemical called TCA or trichloroamazole. I hope I said that right and didn't break out another TCA chemical because then we'll just both get chewed out. Uh, and when that molecule reacts with any stray chlorine, in the atmosphere, it causes this wet dog, wet newspaper, barnyard, dirty sock, gross flavor. Uh, wet cardboard is a great description of it. Um, and on some wines, just a hair of that isn't terrible. But 
most everything, if you get any of those sort of flavors, it's, it's not pleasant. And it's estimated that around 1% of a winery's product, when it has been sealed with natural cork, will go sour to cork tank, which is a big reason that I am planning on using synthetic corks in my vintage that I make this year. But there are places, um, Masova is one of them, uh, Noma Corks another, that are using either specialized robotic techniques to detect the presence of TCA in the natural cork and so that it doesn't end up going to the producer and then the consumer and causing an off-bottle wine or they're actually using people with real noses and real brains to smell every single cork and they've been trained to detect the presence of TCA after a special process that they do to each cork. But so there are a handful of companies that are battling that in different ways, but still I'm making small small vintage this year and money is tight so i'm not taking any risks i'm going synthetic if you want to donate to him uh let me know um i'll forward all requests to him uh i since i can't do any wine myself this year uh just because i can't afford it um i want to see someone who i know is good at it do something new and fun and exciting and different and innovative um so talk to me, I'll get you connected to Gary. Um, or just go to greaterthanwines.com. You can donate directly there. But you, if you want to talk to Cody, that's cool too. Uh, should I give a little quick pitch on what my thing is? Uh, sure, and then we'll talk about the uh, 14 uh, Malvasia from Passion. So, And then you can talk about the 15 in barrel that I haven't even had yet. Not in barrel anymore. Or not in barrel anymore. In tank. In tank. But so, Greater Than Wines is my one-ton wine project this year that will hopefully grow to more than one ton a year. But what I'm doing is I'm making one ton of wine, I'm selling it at an aggressive price point, I'm donating 51% of sales to a friend of mine's nonprofit back in my home of Chapel Hill, North Carolina which is working with people who are actively transitioning out of homelessness and teaching them useful life skills, notably baking. She runs a transitional employment bakery and she makes phenomenal stuff and I cannot wait to see what she can do to help all of these lovely, lovely people that I know who lived on the streets back in Chapel Hill. And so that's why I'm doing that. I'm not doing it to put money in my own pocket I'm doing it to better the world. So if you want to help out, greaterthanwines.com or talk to Kobe the Wine Monk and I've love got your support. To connect. So the 2014 Malpasia Bianca from Passion is coming from St. Clair's, uh, the fruit I should say, is coming from St. Clair's Winery in Deming, New Mexico. Geologically very similar to Wilcox, some differences. Uh, Deming was not really part of that ancient Lake Cochise. Um, tank aged, tank fermented. Yep, nothing, nothing really 
special or fun happen during the fermentation process on this one? Well, the fun part happened before as we were go apparently going to get the juice for this when the tank blew out of the back of the truck and almost hit Glomsky's truck, according to the story I've been told. Yep, I've heard that one too. But once it got to the winery, nothing really special happened. Let it settle, rack it off the sediment, ferment it, rack it off of that. Let it age for a few months in stainless, and then bottled it. It feels like it has a much more subtle nose now than anyone else. But this bottle has also been open since Valentine's Day, and we're two days after that right now. But this, I've never felt that this was the pinnacle of Arizona Malmesia. Well, of course it's not. It's New, a, it's New Mexico. Exactly, that's what I was about to say. It's not, and it shouldn't be. It's New Mexico fruit. But when I taste this after having drank the Sand Reckoner, which is kind of the pinnacle of Arizona Malvasia, according to most people, and had the Friuli Italian Malvasia, this is far, far closer to an old world Friuli. Than this it is true. Is to our classic new world Arizona. Arizona. Which is going to give me something very interesting to talk about now in the tasting room. Right? This is because I've never had that Friuli Malvasia. I never had a Malvasia from the motherland. This is... Oh, motherland! Sorry. This is a really cool revelation. This is the first time I've thought about this. Same here. This is pretty awesome. Hashtag learning something new. Hashtag... Did I just say hashtag? <laughs> hashtag waffle fries. Where is that from? Yourself? Yep, I made that up back in when I lived in North Carolina and I was still using Twitter religiously and I was hungry one night and Chick-fil-A was closed and everyone was posting hashtag this, hashtag that, hashtag this and I thought, hashtags look like waffle fries I'm so hungry. <laughs> <laughs> uh. If you dig back far enough on my Twitter feed, I'm sure you can find that. Yeah, this is very much like that old world Malvasia. It's a little bit more tart, less floral now. I mean, it's more floral when you open it in the bottle, mm -hmm. but... But it's still nowhere near the elderflower bomb that the sand reckoner is. Or m even uh, the stronghold or the... You never had the Freitas. I so have once. Okay. Once had the Freitas. Uh, the Freitas was super also elderflower bomb. Super mm -hmm. also elderflower... Wow. Also super? Not super also? We've hit the point in the podcast where my grammar skills have gone down. Probably means I should stop drinking soon, damn it. Oh, we still have plenty of time. True. I've got to stop drinking at 9 because then I have to fast for 12 hours, drinking only water because I have a physical tomorrow to get health insurance. By the way, um, this is going on the record. If something happens to me and I die... Um, that insurance premium payout um, is to be used as a seed fund for a scholarship for the Southwest Wine Center. Fantastic. Um, so that way there can be the Wine Monk Scholarship. Now that being said, that doesn't mean you can go out and assassinate me after I get that policy either. I'm looking at you. You know who I'm talking to. Also speaking of scholarships for the Southwest Wine Center, there is a scholarship available there are eight of them every semester. 
depending on your credit load, you can either get $250 or $500 due to a very, very generous donor. And um, if you need to know more about that, contact me at uh, facebook.com slash gtkurtz and I can get you the information or there's some lo links on the Southwest Wine Center uh, Facebook page. And this is where Phil, if he was here, would talk about the Southwest Wine Center, but he's not. <laughs> Granted, today was his first day off since he started working there. This so. is true. I can't blame him for not showing up. We also had at the industry party, which you never popped in. I unfortunately. did not. I was not feeling that great that night. Uh, we had the Eridus Malvasia, which was uh, I think the the twenty thirteen, which I think was oh, I think was New Mexico. Let's still be Hellman who made it too. Um, but it was still lovely. It was bright and floral. But again, it was much lighter body than the uh, twelve from Cochise County. Um, more floral. Less fruit, from what I remember. Hmm. But by then I already had a couple wines. I digress. So anyway, gang. Oh, wait, no. We're not closing yet. You still got to talk about the 2015 in barrel that you were excited for everyone today. Yes. So, Passion Cellars. Well, it's probably going to be Passion Cellars. It might be a Salvatore release. It's that damn good. I, I, I hope not, because I want to drink it on a regular basis. Damn it. <laughs> Me too. But so what we did was we took our Malvasia that we made uh, just our standard way. We, and we pressed it immediately, settled it, racked everything off the sediment, fermented it, and let it sit. Or, and then we racked it off of the leaves and let it sit in stainless for a couple of months. Then we got our hands on eight brand new oak barrels from France and Appalachia, which is East Coast U.S. If for those of you who aren't familiar with that area as intimately as I am, and so we decided to donate or to dedicate at least one of those brand new barrels to white wine. So we took. What ended up being about a quarter to a third, not entirely sure, of the vintage for 2015 of Malvasia Bianca and put it into a brand new French oak barrel for four months-ish. And it got really oaky, really woody, really all these great flavors that you get from, that you can really only get from exposing the wine to oak vanilla and cream and just lovely things and then it started to go through mallow all on its own itself inoculated so we sterile filtered it after about three months three four months i can't remember exactly off the top of my head and sterile filtered that racked it back into the rest of the blend and mix it up and it's currently sitting and mellowing and integrating and tasting it out of that tasting port on the side of that tank is fantastic. It's the best wine we have ever made a passion. 
in my opinion, mm. to to date. It is crisp and floral and aromatic and acidic, but it's also at the same time creamy and smooth and oaky and got vanilla hints and maybe even a little bit of coffee hints and it's just it's freaking amazing and I cannot wait to get that in bottle and share that with the world. Yeah, I can't wait to drink and review that. That's gonna be fun. Yeah. We might have to do a rehash of the Malvasia podcast then, because I've still got the California. Mm-hmm. Um we we'll still have the amber wine. Oh, we're not gonna wait, let that one wait until another podcast. Let's yeah, be yeah, that's true. We're gonna drink. We should do because it let's be honest about amber wines. The most fun that I have had drinking a wine in years has been orange wines, amber wines, skin ferment whites. There's just something completely new and different about them. Some stuff that I've never had before, and I freaking love it. It is... It's amazing. It's the most fun I've had drinking wines in a long time. Gary, this is the longest podcast we've ever done. Every other one has been like 20 or 30 minutes. We are now at an hour and five minutes. I'm not at all surprised. Well, this is true. This is Malvasia, which we both love. But on that note, gang, uh, we are going to let you go. And we're going to finish this uh, pet nap. Um, I think my two favorites, uh, other than the pet nap, um, was definitely the Sand Reckoner. I don't know about you, but... The Sand Reckoner was good. The Friuli was good. The pet nap was a lot of fun. And the passion is... has completely changed how I think of it. Now yeah. that I've had it next to a Friuli. So, yeah. So this goes to show you that, you know... Even while I post almost exclusively on Arizona wine, I drink a lot of stuff outside of Arizona because you've got to understand the context. I mean, it's also like, I'm sorry, I'm going to say this. I'm going to make a religious uh, reference here. It's kind of like how it's very difficult to understand different references in biblical texts without looking at it the lens of the church fathers who wrote and reviewed and commented on it historically because they were closer in time. They understand it in ways that were different from the followers of Luther, the followers of Calvin, and that sort of thing, because they were closer. They had that different lifestyle. And and some things, you know, know, some things are always relevant, but other things you've got to look at both now and current relevance, but also in the way, the lens of the past. And in that case, looking at wines is the same way. We're looking at... The history of Malvasia, when we look and drink uh, this wine made from Malvasia from Friuli and compare it to the Passion Cellars Malvasia from 2014 with the 2012 from Arizona from San Reckoner, we're understanding the history of this grape in context. Now, this Vinsanto, had it been good, sorry PLD, um, would have explored that whole history of Malvasia in the Middle Ages. Because this was a very common style for Malvasia in the Middle Ages, to do it as a sweet white that was easily traded. That's why it was so popular in the Middle Ages, because it lasted well. Um, that's why uh, Richard III drowned some of his dukes in it, because it was there. That's what Malmsey is, by the way, in the Middle Ages, is Malvasia. 
But anyway, we're going to close out. Then to bring it back to something non-religious, we're also drinking all of these wines from regions other than Arizona all around the world because we're avoiding something called cellar palate, which is when you spend your time drinking only one wine from one region or from one winery or wherever, given enough time, you'll start to think, oh, this is really good. This is great. I love this. This is the best. And when objectively it might be flawed because your judgment is clouded when you're only exposing yourself to that one thing, that becomes your yardstick to measure how good anything is. And if that's all you're drinking, then your yardstick is measuring up against your yardstick. And yeah, this is going to be amazing. So we are drinking things that we didn't make from areas all over the world to avoid that because we want to know objectively is what we're doing in Arizona as good as we think it is? I would say, yeah. And so far, I would say yes. But there is more to it than just, oh, yeah, let's, let's drink a bunch of shit. On that note, we're going to drink a bunch of shit. <laughs> and I mean that in the best possible way. Uh, until next time, this is Cody the Wine Monk and Gary the Beer Captain. Yep. Signing off. Okay.